Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Is it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a brand new episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at Believe Podcast. Desmond Johnson here with you, along with Sports Illustrated beat writer Skylar Callahan. Uh, got a lot to get through here. Of course, the Panthers season is a wrap, 5-12 and 12 regular season as they move on into offseason uh, stuff here. Matt Rule, uh, not really sure why, but decided to go on WFNZ at the end of last week and maybe made a bigger hole of uh, everything than what needed to actually be there. Me and Skylar will dissect that visit. Uh, the Panthers are expected to interview more offensive coordinator uh, candidates throughout this week. Ben McAdoo from the Giants is expected to arrive in Charlotte on Tuesday to interview for that position. We'll dissect that. And the playoffs are going on. The Panthers may not be in it, but uh, we got some good, good, good games coming up here next weekend. Uh, divisional round, one of my favorite weekends of the year. We'll uh, dissect each of those matchups and give our thoughts on who might advance to championship weekend or championship Sunday next week. Before we do all that, though, a quick word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your va- your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. And where we will start uh, is wondering why whoever handles the PR for Matt Rule is still employed, because I don't know who told Matt Rule that it'd be a good idea to go to WFNZ last week. Uh, he appeared January 13th on uh, the WFNZ morning radio show. Uh, so this past Thursday, um, shout out to T-Bone, who's been on uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio a few times. And they did, for starters, uh, Skyler, I thought they did an excellent job on the interview. They they asked a lot of the questions that a lot of the fans have been asking, a lot of the pundits in the media. Uh, they really got down to it. And to his defense, Matt Rule didn't really hide from any of the questions my issue was more along the lines of uh, the way he answered some of the questions caused more uh, gray area than what maybe needed to be there. Basically, if he hadn't gone to WF and Z, we all would be in the same position. You know, there's the fire Matt rule camp and there's the we'll give him another year camp. I think it muddied the waters when he went to WF and Z and started uh, rambling on about a variety of topics from. Uh, rating Sam Darnold higher than Justin Fields and Mac Jones to the the head scratching comments on Rashawn Slater. Uh, what were your thoughts? Because I know you've heard this by now. Uh, what were your thoughts on this appearance by Matt Rule on WFNZ to try to 
I knew what he was trying to do. He was trying to stomp the campfires down so that it, it wasn't burning as hard as it was at the time, but I think it might have backfired on him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they, they first of all, they did do a really, really good job of answering or asking some questions. Um, and, and credit to those guys. I love, I love how not only how good they are as, as radio personalities, but they're passionate, you know, about the Panthers. They're passionate about the Hornets and, and everything in Charlotte. And they don't sugarcoat any of those questions. Like they, they just flat out asked what was on their mind as if they weren't even on the eight on the, on the airways. Like they right. just wanted to know the question or the answers to some of their questions. And, you know, for, for Matt, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, the Rashawn Slater thing to me, like he has said over and over and over about the arm length, and that's why kind of Brady Christensen really hasn't really gotten much of a look at tackle. Like I get the arm length thing, and, and but but there's no need to really continue to talk about it. I think is my my biggest thing. Like if you believe like you don't want a a left tackle unless he has this arm length at least, then okay, that makes sense. But if you don't like I, I guess just kind of his reasoning for the whole thing just doesn't really make sense. And then you you put Brady in at left tackle the final three games. So it kind of contradicts itself a little bit. And he played okay. He yeah. Played and, right. yeah. And, and he did play okay. But I will say this like Matt Rule is not it's this is not like the first coach that has ever said anything about arm length at left tackle. Like this is this is kind of a – I wouldn't say a global thing, but I would say there's more coaches now and more scouts now that are open to the idea of having left and right tackles that don't necessarily have a certain arm length. It's before, like five, six years ago, if you had short arms, you were never going to be a tackle. That's But the game is evolving. Matt Rule is still trying to – I think one of those guys that hasn't necessarily turned the corner in terms of that evaluation, but – um. So that's my that's my stance on the, the whole arm thing. The quarterback thing, I don't know if I, if I can really harp on it too much because I kind of agree. Like when you were evaluating these guys last year, I mean, I didn't really think Mac Jones was going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I really didn't. And I honestly don't know if he would be had he not gone to where he went. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, true. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He got set up in a lot to do with it. People never really talk about, you know, his placement, like where these players eventually land to begin with. That's a lot to do with their careers. Exactly. If if Mac Jones ends up in Carolina, I mean, (laughs) it's it's probably saying Darnold all over. So Mm -hmm. Justin Fields, I don't know. It's still kind of a wait and see. But I agree in the fact that you, you evaluate Sam Darnold in that same breath as he's a young quarterback, but he's already got that experience in the NFL. Is he better than Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson? Absolutely not. Is he better than Sam Don- or uh, than the Mac Jones and Justin Fields? Who knows? We don't know. Th- that's why I think he clumped them together. But I agree. I, I don't know that it- doing the interview, in my opinion, just didn't make any sense from his perspective because I think the more people hear your voice, <laughs> people are just going to even get more angry, more upset, more furious it would have probably just been a good idea for them to just ride off into the sunset for this. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) And then like, say here in a couple of weeks, maybe you do hire a rock star OC, you get uh, Hassan Reddick to come back. You get Stefan Gilmore, Dante Jackson to come back. You kill the draft, you kill free agency. And now people are starting to get back on your side again. Mm -hmm. But for him to come out right after the season ended, 
in the the way that they ended the season, I don't know if it was the smartest move. He so a lot of it was him basically just kind of putting his own foot in his mouth in the same interview because uh, like with Brady Christensen, for example, he was the highest ever graded left tackle by pro football focus coming out of college uh, at left tackle uh, protected Zach Wilson at BYU. Um, And he basically the same thing. He doubled down with the arm length and everything else. But he also said he, that basically he wished that he had played him sooner which is basically damning the the idea of the whole arm length thing to begin with, because he, in a way, he's basically saying, okay, my philosophy towards picking offensive linemen may be flawed because Brady Christensen actually played pretty well, and I didn't think he was big enough to play tackle. And then the whole uh, Rashad Slater thing, I know a lot of people, that was kind of like the point of the interview where they're just like, are you kidding? Because he basically doubled down on, I would still take J.C. Horn, even though, we all know the biggest problem of this team was the offensive line. Rashawn Slater is a uh, voted to the all pro team. Uh, he was there and available to take and they took Horn. And uh, this is from the four man rush. They had quoted this on Twitter. Matt rule confirms on WFNZ that Rashawn Slater was not quote ideal tackle size and that they weren't comfortable quote taking a guard that high. Uh, also mentions that he has a mobile quarterback in, uh, in LA. Um, I just it, it just seems like and this is my issue with it. And again, you've talked me off the ledge numerous times this year when it comes to Matt Rule, but I feel myself just inching more and more towards the don't care part of it because it's like every time this dude says something, I feel like I have to listen to it twice. Like I feel like he's talking in code and I shouldn't have to feel that way about the football coach of the Carolina Panthers. There's a uh, here We've been wondering because we haven't heard from the owner, David Tepper, all year, really. And we and usually we see something from him at the end of the year. He's talking about a project he's building or a new team or whatever it might be. David Tepper's not shy when it comes to the cameras, but he has been nowhere to be found <laughs> after the end of this season. And uh, during that interview uh, on WFNZ, Matt Rule was asked directly if David Tepper had informed him if his job was safe or not. Uh, Rule said that he hadn't been told that his job hinges on the upcoming offensive coordinator hire, and then he kind of went off on a bit of a tangent. Uh, here's a little bit of a clip from that. It's been, you know, I, I think I saw him. Yeah, you know, I've I've I've, I've never been told um, that my my status depends on who I hire. Uh, in fact, every conversation I've had with. With, with, with David uh, Tepper has been, you know, I think I saw him twice Monday, twice Tuesday. You know, it's always been uh, long-term vision, long-term vision, long-term vision. Like, you know, hey, hey, you know, we know what we need to do. You know, we know we need to build the backbone of the team, you know, to control the line of scrimmage. We know we need to solidify ourselves at quarterback. You know, we know we need to, you know, get the staff where we want it. So it's all been, it's all been that. So, you know, I, I've been pretty consistent. You know, I'm not, I'm smart enough to know I'm not going to speak for somebody. I'm not going to speak for the owner, but he's never, uh, he's never uh, talked any other way other than, Hey, go out and hire a great staff guys you believe in. Uh, But more importantly, let's turn our attention to free agency, both our own guys that we want to resign. And and then let's get started on the next guys. Let's get ready for the senior bowl, the East West game. And then let's, uh, let's attack the, the draft. And hopefully, hopefully guys, there's a combine this year and we can attack all those things. Yeah. Coach, are you a lot to unpack there? Um, but he said a lot, but didn't say really a lot of anything. He basically just said that you know they want to get back to evaluating talent, 
just going back to a routine of, you know, you know, fixing the staff and this, that, and the third and everything else. And he didn't really say a whole lot there. That wasn't the most inflammatory thing he said uh, <laughs> during that interview, but uh, it is what it is. I, I don't think Skyler that, and, and I'm with you on this, that he's going to get fired. If he's going to get fired, it had been two weeks ago. Like yeah. he's here, he's not going anywhere. So for people that keep whining about Matt rule being in place, you're going to have another year at least of, uh, or at least six or seven months of him doing this. Now, if the Panthers come out and start 0 and 4 or something to start the 2022 season, then you're going to see a lot of pitchforks and, uh, you know, things of that sort in Charlotte for him to be gone before the year is over. I'm still tentative in terms of him returning. Like, I know he's coming back. I don't necessarily know if I want him back for a third season because I feel like things may not necessarily be any different. Uh, if there's a cur- there's a couple things that have happened that really bother me in terms of evaluation when it comes to uh, to Matt Rule on the defensive side, it seems like they're they're fantastic in terms of evaluating diamonds in the rough that they can use in the later rounds and are becoming key contributors to the the rotations. It's the offensive side that seems to be the issue, whether it's quarterback or offensive line. All of those come back down to evaluations from Rule and his staff and. Uh, whether it's not thinking Brady Christensen could play left tackle, so he didn't play him for like 14 games over there, uh, or thinking Sam Darnold would rate higher than Justin Fields uh, if they came out in the same draft, which I, I don't really subscribe to. <laughs> um, it's things like that where he seems like he's stuck, he sticks to his guns, but then he's also prone to pull back. And, and I think the thing that bothers me the most right now about Rule is that he doesn't seem to be accepting responsibility for things he's done himself. Uh, there was one part of that interview, and we'll move on here, uh, where he was basically kind of pushing off the responsibility to everyone but him in terms of, he was saying something along the lines of, um, it's not just him sitting up in a tower somewhere making these decisions on personnel and the roster and everything else. Never mind that we all watched the 30-minute long draft day Carolina Confidential video that the team put out. that <laughs> was basically just Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer and David Tepper in a, in a war room. And by all accounts, I might need to go back and rewatch this again. But from what I re- remember, Matt rule was the final decision maker when it came down to certain players. Like he wanted certain players on the board. Fitterer's job was to figure out how to maneuver the board to get to certain players and keep collateral. And Tepper was just kind of there. <laughs> like Tepper was just kind of there hanging out. He'd give an opinion here and there, but for the most part, he stayed out of their way. Am I wrong? Am I remembering this wrong? Because I'm I'm pretty sure I remember Matt Rule being the one that went after certain players, not Scott Fitter. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think Rule has a lot of say in it. And again, I think this goes back to they want to work together collaboratively. So I don't know that Rule is is to a point where if if he wants a certain guy and Fitterer's not sold on it completely, and Tepper's kind of like, eh. I don't know if he's got that kind of power. Now, I do think he does have more power than some, or more power than most head coaches in the NFL. Why I don't know, but me and me and uh, one of one of my buddies at in the media, Kevin Tolbert um, with ADSN, he we talked about this a couple of times, and we we just think that if if Matt Rule would just be relegated to just coaching and do the the normal responsibilities as a head coach that it might actually work out because there's sometimes when you're trying to wear too many hats at once 
it, it ends up off oftentimes blowing up in your face where he he's he's almost I mean let, let's be real let's go to to Bill O'Brien for example I mean when he was with the Houston Texas he was basically the head coach and GM and that didn't work out not very many times does that kind of role really work out in this league Scott Fitter has to be the GM Matt Rule has to be the head coach the scouts have to be the scouting department so to me, they kind of got to marry all of their ideas together without stepping over one's boundaries, if that makes sense. Now, yeah. I do I think he's he's missed on draft picks? I, I don't know. You know, I think really if there's any one thing that Matt Rule's done exceptionally well, it's draft because he has not had really any busts. I mean, you could maybe say Terrace Marshall, but I wouldn't really necessarily label him as a, as a bust just yet because – he just really didn't get the opportunities. Yeah, he didn't have minutes for him, it felt like, more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Now, now, you could blame Rule and say that he should have had more opportunities. That's, that's a different story. But as, as far as drafting and evaluating talent in the draft, I think he and, and Fitter have done a really good job because, I mean, you go back to the 2019, 18, 17, 16 drafts, I mean, they were the first pick and a bunch of guys that never did anything. Really? Yeah, Dave Gettleman and Marty Herney both – well, uh, Marty Herney is known around here as uh, knocking out first-round picks. Like, he'll draft the Hall of Famer in the first round, whether Julius Peppers, Jordan Grote, whatever. Like, he he did all that. But then the bottom of his drafts usually left the Panthers with little depth. Uh, Gettleman didn't really knock out the first-round picks either. Uh, the three or four years he was here, Gettleman was really mo- more known for – uh, getting our salary cap under control because that was a little period of time where uh, right after the lockout in 2010, where basically uh, the team decided to reward players that had been on this, like D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, Jake DeLome, uh guys that had been on the team for a while and they gave them huge extensions. They gave the two huge extensions to both Stewart and Williams um, and D- Gettleman came in and kind of cleaned up the cap. But because of that, he's not really enamored with the the fan base here because he ended up cutting or letting Steve Smith go for that. Basically forced Jordan Gross into early retirement because of that. Uh, alienated Thomas Davis and Greg Olson uh, because of the cap. And, I mean, I just rattled off four Mount Rushmore-like names of the Panthers that Gettleman kind of ran out of here. So both of those GMs acted a lot differently when it came to personnel in the draft. From what we've seen now, Herney was the – the uh, GM, he had came back for the 2020 draft. But again, it felt like Matt Rule was running that draft. And I'm just sitting going back and looking at what they got. Derek Brown, first round. Uh, Yatir Gross Mato, second round. Uh, they traded up and got Jeremy Chin. Troy Pride Jr., Chase yes. Robinson out of West Virginia. Brabion Roy, who's been getting some run on the defensive line in the sixth round. Uh, and Stanley Thomas Oliver, the third. I can't remember if he's still on the team or not. Uh, it was the seventh round pick. Um, in 2020 so yeah that was I mean of course that was the year where they went all defense um, and was the first team ever to do that and I think that set the foundation for where they are right now and then just looking at what they uh, what they did last year in the draft this is with Fitterer in the office with them uh, with uh, David Tepper and Matt Rule uh, I thought they did a great job again in the draft. You know, that's the one part with uh, Matt Rule I've not had an issue with, and that's their drafts. Uh, J.C. Horn, Terrence Marshall Jr. in the second, highest-rated left tackle in the whole thing, Brady Christensen in the third. 
Chuba Hubbard, uh, Davion Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa, Keith Taylor, uh, Deontay Brown got some run towards the end of the year in the sixth round. Shai Smith played. Pretty much everybody that they drafted pretty much played. Uh, the long snapper, Thomas Fletcher, Phil Hoskins out of Kentucky, uh, had a couple bright spots there towards the end of the year. So their their ability to evaluate talent, I'm not really concerned with on the defensive side of the ball. But again, a lot of those guys aren't uh, offensive linemen or quarterbacks. So we'll kind of see what they do with that as we go forward here. I uh, did want to move on to on Tuesday. Uh, the Panthers are expected to interview former Giants head coach Ben McAdoo for the offensive coordinator position. Uh, Skyler, I thought they were looking for a rock star at offensive coordinator. Does uh, does McAdoo fit the description? Because I don't think he does. Uh, as a rock star, no. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't seems, even know who that rock star would be. Like looking I, around I mean, the landscape, like who's the rock star at offensive coordinator? I mean, to me, I would think Pep Hamilton would be. Potentially, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't know if he's quite rock star level, but he's got rock star qualities. Well, I mean, at, this, at this point, if I'm the Texans, I might consider hire Hamilton to be the head coach. Yeah, I mean that that's there's that's a very good possibility as well. I mean, I, I don't know where that that term, the rock star candidate or rock star OC thing, came from. I think it was Ian Rappaport. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it was Rappaport that said it first, and everybody just kind of clung to it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know where that came from. Like, was that did that come from Tepper? Did that come from Matt Rule, like saying he wanted to get a rock star OC? Like, I don't I don't know where that came from. So it, it's hard to really say that that's what they're going after when you see some of the names that are popping up. But I mean, Ben McAdoo. I, I I don't love it. I, I don't love the fit. I don't love a lot of things about it. What yeah, I will I say though is Ben. It's I don't think Ben McAdoo is a terrible coach because when he was an offense coordinator for the Giants before he got the head coaching job, he he did an okay job. Like it really wasn't that bad of an offense. It wasn't very creative. It wasn't very. Um, that's what I was going to say. That, from what I remember from the, those, it was like 2014, 2015, yeah. or something like that. I remember them being kind of a basic type of offense. Uh, yeah, just like line up, Eli under center. Uh, was OBJ still there in 2014? Uh, I believe so. I can't remember 100%. I remember but who the yeah, I mean, it was, was a very a very basic offense, very, not, lacked a lot of creativity, which – you, you can't have. We just game. did that, yeah. But, <laughs> we just finished doing that. <laughs> I mean, I will say this, though. Uh, like, his first year as a head coach, which I think he gets more he, – he's remembered more as his time as a head coach than he was as a coordinator, which I think is kind of unfair in a way. He did go 11-5 and five in his first year as a head coach and then turned, went 2-10. and 10. I can't remember exactly what happened that year – where they just took a nosedive. I think that – was that Eli's last year? It wasn't Eli's last year, but I want to say it was the year that he stopped Before? the streak. He Remember Eli had a consecutive yeah. game-started streak and McAdoo didn't start him randomly towards the end of the year, and then they that's started right. him like the next week or something like that. I think that's when he lost the Giants fan base, but they went like 3-13 and 13 or something that second year. Uh, and, and you're right, I can't remember what happened. I think they had a bunch of injuries or something. Was Beckham might have been hurt all year? Something something happened where they didn't have a lot of their horses. Uh, that first year, though, wasn't McAdoo basically coaching Tom Coughlin's team? Was Coughlin there right before him? Because he was the offensive coordinator. Well, for Coughlin, wasn't he? 
it was either what was was it Coughlin or did or was no Shermer was after Matt McAdoo, right? I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know, I'm trying to remember the order because I want to. Didn't Coughlin go to Jacksonville before he finally retired? He went to Jacksonville, I think, to partially serve in the front office. I, I don't think he went there. as a coach because that was that was still Doug Marone and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, those guys. So, so yeah, I, I want to say because I thought I was looking it up because uh, I do a sports minute every day for a local radio station here, and this was uh, McAdoo getting interviewed was part of that minute. I want to say when I was doing that that it's uh, he served as offensive coordinator underneath Coughlin. And then he took over as head coach when Coughlin left. So uh, those two years, I think that first year was primarily due to it being still kind of Coughlin's team. And then this, the, the second year when it's fully McAdoo's team, it just kind of fell apart. But uh, yeah, something it was I, Coughlin, McAdoo, Spagnuolo, and then Yeah, Sherman. there it goes. So the, the Giants have been going through it uh, the past really five, six <laughs> years now <laughs> in terms of like head coaches. Uh, now, granted, he, he last time he head coached anywhere was 2016, 2017. Uh, I think the last thing he was doing was consulting with the Cowboys this year. Uh, I did not know this. Matt Rule interviewed Ben McAdoo in 2020 for the offensive coordinator job, but ultimately decided on Joe Brady. So this will actually be the second time that McAdoo interviews with Matt Rule and the Panthers, which kind of explains why he's in there. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think that this is exactly what uh, this team needs to – uh, take the next step on offense. Like it just doesn't feel like McAdoo would be the right fit for this, uh, which means it's probably the exact perfect candidate for <laughs> for Matt Rule and the Panthers to go ahead and bring in. Let's just irritate the fan base even more by bringing in Ben McAdoo to be the offensive coordinator. Um, I don't know. I don't know what this, the, the, what it is here. I would think like a hot shot offensive coordinator would be like the new flash in the pan from the cop i mean joe brady it's somebody like a joe brady type you know but maybe that's not what they need they need somebody that knows how to call an nfl game uh and most of those guys are already employed so i don't know other than pep that's who we that's who we zeroed in on last week other than pep hamilton i'm not really sure who else out there uh would be a good fit for this uh situation especially if they're going to go into this with darnold being the starting quarterback this is a lot of loose ends Right now, so for anybody tr- trying to consider taking this role, they really don't know what they're stepping into in terms of who's at quarterback, what's the offensive line look like, everything else. So this might take a while before they actually uh, make this hire. Um, as we round the turn here on the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast, of course, the NFL playoffs are ongoing. We had a, a huge, super-sized wild card weekend that we just got out of. The divisional matchups are set. So let's run through these real quick here because I. I want us to try to figure out not necessarily who's going to be in the Super Bowl, but let's try to figure out who we think will will be in the NFC and the AFC championship games uh, a week from this upcoming Sunday. Uh, starting off in the AFC, uh, interesting matchup. Uh, the one seed Tennessee Titans coming off their bye, taking on a, a red hot Cincinnati Bengals team. Um, I was leaning towards the Bengals. And then I realized that Derrick Henry is going to be back. Uh, he missed most of the season with a fractured foot. I don't know if there's anything more uh, scary than a fresh Derrick Henry in January. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of, I don't know. Cincinnati's one of those teams. I mean, uh, Cincinnati, Tennessee's one of those teams where it's like, I feel like they got everything they need, but I don't know the health of Julio Jones. I don't know if he's going to play. 
I don't know how rusty Derrick Henry will be, although I don't know if that matters much with Derrick Henry. He's kind of like handing the ball and get out of the way. Um, I'm typically leaning towards the teams that can run the football in January and can play defense, so that would lean me towards Tennessee. But I got to admit, man, I watched Cincinnati this past weekend, and I came away super impressed with Joe Burrow and that offense. And their defense has a great pass rush, too. The Bengals are an interesting team to keep an eye on. Yeah, I don't I don't know how this game is going to unfold because I could see it going really I mean either way. I mean, it just depends what Tennessee shows up because I mean, is it the Tennessee that you know, what was it? Then they beat like the the Bills and the Chiefs. I can't remember their schedule, but they they beat some really good teams and then they also didn't they lose to like what was it? Uh, either the Jets or Jaguars or something like they lost to somebody really bad. Yeah. And, like they're just so like inconsistent, and when it comes down to it, quarterback play is going to win you a lot of games and advance you a, a lot a, a lot further in the playoffs. And if I had to take my pick between Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill, I'm going Joe Burrow. Now, Ryan Tannehill's a very respectable quarterback. We've oftentimes even mentioned him on this show just because we think if Sam Darnold could just become a Ryan Tannehill, maybe the Panthers can be more competitive. But there's also times where Tannehill is just he, – he makes too many mistakes in in critical situations and he holds them back from either staying in a game or winning a game. And he's not really a guy that I, I would look at and say, hey, if we're down – you know, a touchdown or, or six points with a minute and a half to go, I'm not going to be like, yeah, we got Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> like, right, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if he's going to go win you a game. So, me, I, I'm going to le- actually lean towards the, the Cincinnati Bengals here just because I believe a little bit more in Joe Burrow. Their running game is, is still pretty good, too. Joe Mixon, they've got a lot of guys on the perimeter that can make plays. And as you said, their defense can get after it at times, even though it's kind of hot and cold. And I don't know, is Derrick Henry, is he going to be 100% of what we've known Derrick Henry to be, or is he going to be kind of a shell of himself? I Yeah, I don't think he will be. Um, again, I, I, I'm a true believer. I'm old school. I believe in if you can run the football and stop the run, you're going to be a hard out when it comes to playoff time. And out of all of these teams that I'm seeing here that are left over, the eight teams that are left, there's really only like – two that I can look at that can run the football like that and would not surprise me if they're both the last two standing. Um, I think I'm going to, I don't want to bet against Joe Burrow. That's the thing. Like he he carries himself like a 10 year vet. Like it's crazy watching him out there and he just tours ACL like last year, you know, and he's out there like he's won 12 playoff games and already has a ring. And he just uh, alludes this kind of aura of coolness and like just calmness to his game that's just like a different level like to me he's already top 10 quarterback in the league in year two and he might be flirting with top five the way that he's playing uh but it is tennessee hosting at home i think i'm gonna go with the titans on this one just because they with henry i don't know if the Bengals can stop it uh they're gonna try but i don't know if they can actually stop henry if they can stop henry from getting 100 yards uh, then the Bengals have a great shot. But I think I'm going to go with the Titans at home uh, on that one. The, the, the other AFC game is actually really interesting. The two seed, the Chiefs hosting the three seed Buffalo Bills, who put the smackdown on the Patriots uh, this past weekend and wildcard weekend. Um, I, I, the Bills, 
uh, and Chiefs, they uh, met in the NFC, uh, the AFC Championship game last year. Uh, the Bills beat the Chiefs this year, thirty-eight to twenty, week five. Um, I, I don't trust the Bills because the Bills don't run the ball consistently. Like Josh Allen is the guy that runs the ball for them for the most part, and I don't feel like you can get all the way that way. Um, and it's it's January. And Mahomes is like undefeated in January. So, I mean. Like literally, <laughs> he's never lost a game in January. I don't think. No, he's lost one. He lost the one to the Patriots uh, two years ago in the, uh, the AFC Championship game. Um, are you willing to bet against the Chiefs right now? Because they've kind of they've kind of been under the radar. It feels like all year they had the slow start, and then they just kind of rattled off eight or nine wins. And now it feels like they're going to be in the Super Bowl again. Like, do, do you feel like betting against the Chiefs? Do you think the Bills can actually? Uh, go on the road and beat them in Arrowhead? Uh, I, I don't like to bet against the Chiefs, but I'm going <laughs> to. I think, I think you're absolutely right about the, the Bills running game. Like, it's it's pretty much Josh Allen or nothing, and maybe they'll have a, a, a few plays here and there from their backs, but it's nothing, like, consistent. That's the thing that worries me when picking the Bills, but I don't know, man. Like, the Bills, they just – and, I, and I'm not just going to say this because they just beat down on the Patriots and they're kind of like the, the trendy team now. But before the playoffs started, I my, my Super Bowl pick was was Green Bay and Buffalo. So mm. I got to feel like you just got to stick with my pick at this point. Yeah. And after the, they did put on the show that they did last week, it makes me feel really good about it. So I don't know. I think Josh Allen – like he is playing at an unbelievable level right now. And I know there's a lot of people in the Panthers fan base, you know, talking about the comparisons between he and Cam. Look, I get it because they, they, they're both able to run, but they're two completely different quarterbacks. Yeah. They are not remotely the same in no. terms of what they do. Yeah. <laughs> like, like now Josh Allen has got a rocket for an arm, like can literally unload that thing for like 70 yards. Cam I wouldn't say has the strongest arm, but he, I think he had better arm talent than people gave him credit for. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Josh Allen. No one really thinks of him as a, as a guy with a big arm. So I get some of the comparisons. But, man, I, I don't know. I, I just think he's on a mission right now. Mahomes and that offense have shown at times that they can kind of fall asleep a little bit. And against that defense, Buffalo's got one of the best defenses in the league, if not the yep. best. Yeah, they were up top with uh, the Panthers uh, overall yeah. defense the entire year. It was Panthers and Bills pretty much. So I mean, I I got to lean Buffalo. Kansas City did play better defense as the season went on. They were terrible at the beginning of the year. I just don't think that defense is one that I'm ready to back against Josh Allen. Yeah, I, the running game for the Bills does throw me off a little bit. If they just had like one three-down back that they could really depend on and they ran through, I'd feel a lot better about him. I'm worried that Josh Allen's going to get overtaxed in terms of having to do everything. Uh, having said that, I don't trust that Kansas City can make it back to the Super Bowl a third straight year just because it's so hard. It's it, I think only two teams have ever done it. Um, and, and it's just really hard to do. It's You're talking about basically playing an extra nine, ten games over three seasons uh, you know, for these guys. And, and that just starts to wear on your body after a while. So, I mean, I, Buffalo's defense, they've got enough to really bother uh, the Chiefs. The blueprint's kind of out there on what to do to defeat the Chiefs. You just got to put some pressure on Mahomes. But there's not a lot of teams with the personnel to be able to do it effectively. 
Mahomes threw five touchdowns against the Steelers uh, this past week. I'm pro- I'm with you. I think I'm going to pick Buffalo on this one. So uh, we're kind of going Titans Bills in the uh, the AFC championship game uh, over in the NFC. It's kind of interesting over here. The the one seed, the Packers, uh, taking on the six seed, the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not going to lie, man. The 49ers are the one team out of all of these teams where I'm like, they match up funny against everyone. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if anybody really wants to play the 49ers. And it's because of what they do. They I hate the 49ers. I've always hated them. I grew up a Cowboys fan before the Panthers were here. So naturally, I just disliked the 49ers. But I respect the hell out of what they do because they just literally um, – when I was watching their game uh, this past week against the Cowboys, which was watched on Nickelodeon. No, I didn't actually. I watched it on regular uh, CBS, but uh, with the hijinks at the end of that game, I probably should have watched it on Nickelodeon because it probably would have been. <laughs> I saw that they put like a steam coming out of Mike McCarthy's head or something at the very end of it or something. crazy. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, that's a whole other conversation with uh, why Dak decided to go on a quarterback draw with, thir- with 16 seconds left in the game and no timeouts. But that's already been dissected enough. Uh, the 49ers, when I watch them play, especially right now that they're the healthiest they've been all year, watch when they run the football. There's like a difference when they're running backs. Like when Debo Samuel gets the ball, there's a certain like, um, I don't know the word, what I'm looking for. They hit the hole hard. That's probably the best way to say it. Because some sometimes, just think about the Panthers, whenever they hand the ball off to Chuba Hubbard or somebody, he's going to kind of probe the line and then dart through a hole, that kind of thing. The 49ers don't do that. The 49ers, like, they do a lot of misdirection and, like, they'll send everybody to the left and then run somebody to the right. They do a lot of jet sweeps and, like, a lot of misdirection things. But when they hit a hole, you see that running back almost, like, charge up energy with his arms and, like, just hit it, like, hard. And they get five, six, seven yards. It feels like every carry. And that wears a team down, like a defense down, when you're having to, to defend against that kind of run game in January. Now, Green Bay, I don't know if they're equipped to do this, but I would say out of all the teams that I think could be on upset alert, I think it's the Packers. I think the 49ers could literally go in the Lambeau field and beat the Packers. I think they're built to actually go up there and and not only beat the Packers, but beat them convincingly. Uh, Depending on the weather and everything else going on up there, San Francisco just seems like they're built to go play in that kind of weather. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with San Francisco is that, like, I don't think any any one game or any one team is really gonna gonna necessarily scare them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not yeah. they're not afraid to go into into Jerry's world. They're not afraid to go to Lambeau Field. Like they're they're gonna go and and give every team a fight. But I mean, you hit the nail right on the head with their offense. I mean, it is eye candy galore before the the play happens. Like it, like Kyle Shanahan and and Sean McVay are two of the very best in the NFL when it comes to pre-snap movement. Like, those mm-hmm. guys just motion guys all over the place, get your eyes kind of going back and forth. That's why I call it eye candy because your eyes are going all crazy and you have no idea where the ball's going. Um, and when you got a guy like Debo Samuel that can line up slot at the X, at the Z, at, 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 in the backfield, like, it, it presents a lot of challenges. But with, with San Francisco, I mean – it doesn't matter who's a running back. Like, whether it's Trey Sermon, whether it's been Elijah Mitchell or Raheem Mostert when he was healthy, like, or even Debo Samuel when he's back there, they always have success. It doesn't matter who's back there. And I think a lot of that has to do with their offensive line. Their offensive line is really, really good, and it's really underrated. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has been for some time now. Like, uh, yeah. 
I think a lot, I think a lot of people forgot about the 49ers because they went through that year after their Super Bowl appearance where they were basically hurt up and down the line, uh, offense and defense, and they kind of fell off and no one really gave them a shot this year. And they just kind of, kind of just under the radar, just kept winning games and got in at 10 and seven. And in the NFL, it don't really matter if you got in at 13 and three or, or 14 and three or whatever. Uh, it's whoever's hot going into it. It's the one sport other than March Madness college basketball where whoever who the hot teams are are usually the ones that advance towards the end and really the NFL even more so than college basketball. Um, and the 49ers would be that. Uh, I don't know if I want to – I said I was going to pick them maybe to, to beat the Packers, but I think I'm going to just stick with the Packers. <laughs> the Packers have been probably the one team all year that have been basically the same uh, from start to finish. Uh, they've been kind of the cream of the crop. Uh, they haven't really had any lulls or anything. And Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is playing MVP level. So, I mean, let's uh, – I think we're going to go with the Packers there. And then finally – the two seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the four seed the Rams, who defeated uh, the Cardinals on Monday night, the first Monday night wild card game. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to bet against uh, Tom Brady, and I'm having trouble with it. Although this would be the year where I would think the Bucks probably aren't going to make it back because there's no uh, there's no wide receivers. They don't have any wide receivers <laughs> for, and t- except for Gronk. Uh, I don't know. The Rams feel like they're equipped to do this. Plus, everyone kind of knows that the Rams put their stuff together to do this now. This isn't a two-year, three-year thing. They're trying to get the Super Bowl and win it right now. They were just in it two years ago. Was that two years ago? Uh, possibly three, ago? three, three or four. Rams, Patriots, Super Bowl. I think it was three. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they still have the core of that. Plus, they added, you know, Jalen Ramsey. They've added all uh, Odell Beckham Jr., all his talent, Von Miller. I forgot Von Miller was even on the team. So yeah, I, I kind of if there's one upset over here that would I would not have an uh, it wouldn't make me raise an eyebrow. It would be if the Rams went down to Tampa and beat Tampa. Yeah, I think I, I, I like the Rams here. I mean, I, I get Brady; it's hard to go against them. But the Rams did beat the Buccaneers early in the year, and they had all all of those guys. So I think kind of the biggest thing coming into the playoffs was. Can Matthew Stafford win a playoff game? He had never done so. Now that he's got that confidence and he's got that first one under his belt, the pressure's off. And I think that now they can just go and focus on the task at hand. That's just beating the Bucs and get to the NFC Championship, which I think they'll do. And then they'll get to go and, and play the Packers in Lambeau. So, I mean, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the Packers, like, I, I agree with you. I think that's a trendy pick right now, San Francisco and – I think I even mentioned it before the season started because I think we were going through through some like preseason picks or what not. And I think I said it on the show. I, I don't know if I've said it on here, but that I had San Francisco as a dark horse team to make the Super Bowl. I didn't say I win that. it, but yeah. to make I, remember, I remember you saying that. Yeah, if they were to remain healthy, I thought they had a really good chance because everyone, like you said, had been counting them out. They still had a really good roster, both sides, especially in the trenches. But yeah, I agree. I think Green Bay is going to be able to, to take care of business. Aaron Rodgers, that's just a whole nother whole nother problem. But yeah, I think it's going to be Green Bay, LA in the NFC title game, which I think will actually be a really, really good football game. Do you think um and this is a loaded question? This is where we're going to end the podcast. Do you think Tom Brady's done winning Super Bowls? No, I don't. <laughs> which is uh, nuts. The man is 45. Yeah. 44, I mean, 45. He's got seven. 
I mean, <laughs> it's I, I like was, <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Even though I'm picking LA, I, I mean, there's a very good chance that he could win the Super Bowl this year. But I mean, he's going to come back next year. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's been any signs or indications that he's he's retiring after this year. So he hasn't said one way or the other. But I mean, if he's playing at this level, uh, I would imagine he wouldn't step down at this point, knowing Tom Brady and how competitive he is. Uh, he could just look at this year like, ah, right, we just kind of ran out of horses at the end of the year. We'll just reload and go back out there because he's got a he's got a franchise that's behind pretty much what he wants. Like if he wants to go yeah. get a certain wide receiver, or whatever, they're going to go get it for him. So I mean, he's, he might be the first fifty year old quarterback to win a Super Bowl. So. Oh my gosh, which would drive me insane. Everybody knows how I feel about Tom Brady, and that would oh. I, I, I might have to stop watching football if it got to the point where <laughs> Tom Brady's like going for his twelfth Super Bowl ring or something nuts like Honestly, that. Honestly, I kind of <laughs> hope it happens just to, just because it would be so insane. To see oh. a fifty-year-old man, halfway to a hundred, out there <laughs> playing in the most physical sport in America and winning the the ultimate prize of the Super Bowl, I think that would be so awesome. But then after that, he he just needs to go. <laughs> Something, yeah, please. Like I, every year, I feel like I start every season wishing that this is the final year for Tom Brady, and I'm always disappointed when the next year comes around and he's still playing <laughs> and he's playing better than he was the year before. It's it's insane. I don't understand how the man is doing it, but. Uh, so I think there's our uh, our picks right there for uh, divisional round weekend. Uh, we, we got the Titans versus the Bills in the AFC, and it looks like we're going Packers. Packers Rams is that what we went? Yeah, I, I, had, I had Packers Rams and uh, Bills Bengals. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. There, uh, we'll be back next week as the playoffs continue. Uh, what well, the latest in Panthers news and notes. Uh, from this week, we'll see if Matt Rule has come out of uh, the office to talk again or if David Tepper said something between now and the next time we see you guys next week. Uh, we'll be dissecting the uh, conference championship matchups next week as well uh, and get you ready for that. You can follow our work on Twitter for Skyler. Not only is he the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers for Sports Illustrated, he also works for Sports Illustrated for the Charlotte Hornets and West Virginia uh, Athletics. You can Follow his work at Callahan underscore on Twitter. Uh, for me, you can listen to me on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com throughout the week. Follow me on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Peace and keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.